Welcome to the All-American Chapel Protestant Service Podcast. This week's sermon will be given by Chaplain Ivan Aragine. Good morning, everyone. It's exciting to see the activity that goes on in the back of the chapel with the kids finding their teacher. And you will probably... You will probably begin to smell something, and that's because Mission Barbecue is in the back. They're preparing. So there's going to be a competition between listening to God's Word and your stomach. So I would encourage you, try to tune out your nostrils and focus this morning as we spend time looking at another spiritual discipline. And to help us with that spiritual discipline this morning, I have some guests here for you. So let me retrieve my guest for you. So if you can just be patient for a minute. They're facing you. I'd like to introduce you to my guest. They're a quartet. So please, enjoy. Ha, that was amazing. Some of you are looking at me like, you missed it. Did you? Ah, no, no reason why. They forgot to be miked. More like a quartet. You know how it goes. He's the bass, by the way. Now, we're miked. Wait, wait. Is this mic on? Oh, boy. Do I press uh, the select button? Yes? Perfect. Are we on yet? Okay, let's see. In fact, I think I might just sit down right here so you guys can hear them a little bit better. <laughs> Amazing harmonization. Have you ever heard that before? Some of you are looking at me like, Chaplin's gone crazy. <laughs> Do you remember the passage in Scripture from Luke chapter 19? When Jesus was entering into Jerusalem, we refer to it as the triumphant entry. And remember when the people gathered branches and they start to proclaim, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And what was the reaction of the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that time? They said, hey Jesus, you got to stop those people. You can't be, you, they can't be declaring that. And what does Jesus say to them? If they stop, the rocks will proclaim. The rocks will shout out. The rocks will declare the glories of God. Folks, this morning what we want to do is we want to look at the study, that spiritual discipline of worship. You see, because God demands, God expects of us, His creation, the ones that were created in His image, the one that He breathed life into, whereas rocks, they were declared. But you and I, you and I, 
bear the image of the living God. And God asks us, God demands of us to worship Him. I'd ask you to please open your Bibles to Psalm 100. To Psalm 100. And I'm reading out of the New American Standard. Psalm 100. And I'd like to read to you a definition of worship. Vines describes worship as bowing, prostrating oneself, such as Moses did when he was in the presence of God out of Exodus. Or worship also involves a display of reverence, a devotion, an act of homage, service, adoration unto God. God expects his people to worship him. He can make the rocks sing. But that's not his design, is it? That's not his prescribed plan. You are. You have the ability to worship God, to utilize the vocal cords that God has so intricately designed in you. That tongue that you can use to speak in your mother language. Mine's Spanish. Bienvenidos ahora a la iglesia de Dios. And I can use that tongue to also speak to you in English. Welcome. And I can use that same tongue to speak to you in Turkish. Hoşgeldiniz. And your response should be hoşboduk. And I can speak to you in other languages if I was to study. You see how intricate God has designed us? Far better than those rocks. And God says, worship me. God says, come before. And that's what we're going to study this morning. We're going to look at, out of Psalm 100, Dr. Thomas L. Constable wrote that the title of Psalms is, the, is from the Hebrew Bible referred to as, or was called, Tilium, which means praise songs. The English word Psalms originates from the Septuagint, which is Psalmoi, which means songs of praise. So this morning, we're going to be utilizing the ancient hymn book of God's people. Psalms. Where we can study, where we can dismantle what Scripture says, and that we can find out how God demands of us to worship Him. But there is a problem. There is a problem, however, Remember when Christ was tempted by Satan? Satan said to him in Matthew chapter 4, All of these things I will give you if you just do this. Fall down and worship 
me. All you have to do, Jesus, is surrender your authority to me and serve me. Deny the existence of God, your Father, and proclaim me as God. That ancient temptation still exists today. It still exists today. We at times have a tendency to be more focused upon ourselves, egocentric, rather than being our focus towards the cross, God-centric. Sometimes we come to God and we say, I really enjoy reading your Bible, but there are some things I don't understand. There are some things that just don't make sense, and because it doesn't make sense, I'm not sure I can fully surrender. Or some people might even think, God, you want me to live how? You want me to walk this particular path that you've laid out for my life of holiness, of purity in my relationships, and purity in how I speak, and purity in how I think, how I act? I'm not sure I can do that. Because that's taking away from the cross looking more at what we want. And some of you might even be thinking, wait a minute, if I do that, God, do you realize that I'm going to lose how many friends? What's my family going to think of me? God, if you want me to do this, and you fill in the rest of the sentence. See, God demands of us to worship him, to come before him, to adore him, to proclaim his mercies, his grace in our lives. And that's what Psalms 100 speaks of. So let's look at that. Remember, worshiping God is not an option. It's not a suggestion. God expects you to worship him. Psalm 100 begins with, Shout joyfully to the Lord, verse 1. And I'm reading from the New American Standard. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Shout. Serve. Joyfully sing. That is where we find the command to worship. The command to worship where God says, I want you to do this. I want you to act. Over and over again, the command to worship the Lord is declared throughout Scripture. For example, Psalm 96, verse 2 and 3. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, Proclaim good tidings of his salvation from day to day. Tell of his glory among the nations, his wonderful deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared among all gods. Over and over and over again, God says, God commands, God mandates, God directs, do this. Worship, worship Him. 
You see, worship is a component in our services, right? We just had worship and singing. We just had worship in offering. We just had worship in the Apostles' Creed. We just had worship in the Lord's Prayer. All of that is part of our corporate services of how we, as the body of Christ, function and display our unity before God. But worship is not just that. There's another component to worship, and that is called our private worship. How you, as the individual, worship God privately. At home, or maybe you're out for a walk, and you allow the beauty that surrounds you, God's creation, and you say, God, thank you for that red cardinal. That's so vibrant. God, thank you for that beautiful oak tree. Or for the azalea that's growing outside the front of your yard. Or how about the knockout roses that sit in front of my home? That when I open up the windows, I see a blooming, blooming knockout roses. I say, man, that's beautiful, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for that. My wife recently sent me a picture of those knockout roses when I was away up at Camp Atterbury hanging out in a tent with a hundred of my favorite buddies. And she sent me that picture, and I remember I opened it up, and that's all she sent was that picture of those beautiful knockout roses. I said, God, thank you. That I'm away this camp, yet I can still rejoice in you. Worship involves corporate time together and individual time together. So I want you to keep that in your back, in your back uh, of your mind as we continue here looking at Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. I, you know that very first part, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth? Scripture at times can speak in past, present, and future. And, and with Hebrew poetry, sometimes they'll make a statement and then they'll rephrase the sentence in another fashion. And that parallelism is very, very dominant throughout the Psalms. Let me read to you from another passage. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, and palm branches were in their hands. Does that sound a little bit familiar to you? Triumphal entry? Salvation. And they all cried out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Here's a picture of what heaven looks like. Remember the first part of Psalm 100? Shout all the earth. And here we're getting a future glimpse 
And look how it continues. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they found their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Can you picture that in heaven? Can you picture from every tribe, tongue, and nation? So you have the Mexicans on one side. That's going to be where my family's going to be at. Okay, then you're going to have the Scottish. That's the other side of my family. That's my in-law's side. They're going to be on the other side. Okay, then you're going to have then the Americans on, over here on this side. And then you're going to have, you know, the Nigerians over here. Can you just imagine that? And imagine yourself where you're standing. And you're standing next to the Nigerian. And you can't speak Nigerian. And yet God in his grace he is going to receive the praises of all his people in one accord. So I don't know how God's going to do this. Either you're going to learn a new language, so you better be prepared for that. Or we're all going to be able to understand a multiplicity of languages, which is very possible. Isn't that incredible? And imagine you're standing there, and by the way, if you haven't started memorizing some of this, I would encourage you to, because it's been written in your language, English, translated from Greek. So start memorizing, because we might be saying this in heaven. Imagine standing in there, and, and the guy next to you is Enoch. And you're looking at him going, hey, what's your name? Hi, my name's Enoch. Like Enoch from, yeah, Enoch from Genesis. Like the guy that never, yeah, I'm not the one that never died. Can you imagine that? And God receives all of this for his own glory. So folks, one day, one day, we're going to go home. We're going to go home. And it's not just going to be Holly and the band. We're all going to be together worshiping that's going to be an incredible so folks get prepared for it that's why we talk about these spiritual disciplines that's why we look at text that's why we look at scripture to say what do i need to do in growing in my relationship with christ because god says worship worship let's continue on verse 2 out of Psalm 100 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Some of you might remember a group called Promise Keepers. I had the opportunity to attend one of their conferences. They're in Los Angeles, the Coliseum. Has anybody ever been to the Coliseum in Los Angeles? It seats about 100, I think 110,000 or so. There were 70,000 men worshiping God that day. Have you ever sang with 70,000 men? I have. That's incredible. And to hear their voices. And you know what? There were men singing out loud. Men out of tune and in tune. But it doesn't matter to God. It doesn't matter to God how you worship him. Because when God hears it, I think it's always in tune. 
because he looks at you. He looks at our heart. And here God receives the worship of those 70,000 men as he continues to receive the worship of his own people. Remember, if, if the rocks can sing and worship God, you can. But it's not just singing. I want you to understand that. Worship, although worship and singing is a large component, it's just not singing. Some of you have incredible talent with your hands. Some of you can create things with your hands. Look at these stained glass windows around us. That took time for someone to put all those colors together and to match it and to align it. And I have seen incredible stained glass windows in Europe. I have seen pulpits that have been built by individuals. How many of you have seen churches that have a cornerstone that says to it, dedicated to the glory of God? Because masons, carpenters, plumbers, women who have made meals after meals, women who have laid brick after brick, brick all because they wanted to worship God and help others to worship God. It's not just singing. You can use your writing skills, poetry. You be creative in how you want to worship God. Let's continue. In verse 3, remember verse 1 and 2 was the command to worship. Verse 3 is the reason to worship. Know that the Lord himself, verse 3, it is he who has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Know that the Lord, he is God. God identifies in Scripture, this is the reason why you are to worship, because He is the living God. The one who's omnipotent, the one who's omniscient, the one who is the everlasting, the ancient of days, the one who gives you life. He is God, and He is worthy, worthy to be worshipped. And if the seraphim can be in front of His throne and declare all day and all night, holy, 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 then He's worthy. And He accepts that worship he accepts that worship because God knows there is no one else that can compare to him 
And that's the same God that you have the opportunity to serve. That is the same God that you have the opportunity to walk with. That is the same God that you can come to in his presence and you can say, here am I, Lord. I want to worship you in my private time. I want to spend time with you. I want to adore you. I want to give my voice to be used as an instrument for your glory. And he sits on this throne and he says, come. Come, come and do that. In that passage of verse 3, it says, It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. You remember our study in Ephesians? Ephesians chapter 2. Remember that you were at that time, verse 12, separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. We are his sheep. The great shepherd who originally had chosen a nation, the nation of Israel, and said, through this nation, I am going to reveal my glory. And in doing so, the Israelites were constantly saying, this is great, this is for us, for us, for us. And God kept saying, yes, it is for you, but it's also for others. And when God says in his word, you are his sheep, it is through the cross of Jesus Christ, only because of Jesus Christ, that we can come to the Father, that we can say, I now belong to you. And God says, Yes, you are my child because I'm going to wash you in the blood of my son, cleanse you, redeem you, sanctify you, give you a new identity, which were all the things that we were learning in the book of Ephesians, all because of what Christ accomplished on the cross. And God says, you're mine. You belong to me. I will be your shepherd. You are my precious lamb so you've read psalm 23 right how does it begin the lord is my shepherd and then i shall not want so put your name in there the lord is ivan's shepherd the lord is mark's shepherd Put your name in this. So when you read that passage, you can worship him. God, you're mine. I belong to you. Ivan shall not want. Ivan can lie down beside streams, green pastures. Ivan can walk through the valleys, the shadows of death, and Ivan does not have to fear. Put your name there. Because the living God says, I am your shepherd. 
the good shepherd, the one that knows what's best for his sheep. And then we get to verse 4, the invitation to worship. We've looked at the command, and we've seen the reason why to worship. Now the invitation to worship. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And his faithfulness to all generations. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. How many of you have been to the Hagia Sophia in Istanbul? Raise your hand. Hey, whoa, e choki, harika, harika, afirin sana. Wasn't it beautiful when you walked into the Hagia Sophia and you saw the grand doors and then you got to see the, the four images up in the corner? Remember that? Some of you are like, never been there. Okay. How many of you have been to uh, Yosemite and seen Boulder or Angels Falls waterfall? Wait, I see one hand. Two, two. Aileen, you were there. My wife, we were there together. So raise your hand. Good. Some of you. Okay, not many. So you really can't picture it in your mind. Okay, how many have been to the PX here on post? Some of you haven't? Wait a minute. Anybody use the restroom here? Okay. Good. Thank you. <laughs> Verse 4 is an illustration of a word picture. Enter into his gates. So imagine if you were there in Israel, you would have been, you would have seen what the temple looked like. Or even before that, the tabernacle, you could hear all the commotion. You would have walked in, you would have smelled the, smelled the aromas of the offerings being, you would have heard the priests singing or the musician, musicians singing. You would have been there with your family trying to crowd in through the gates as you're walking in. Okay, come on, everybody, let's go. Do we, do we have everybody? All that activity, and that's what verse is saying it brings a word picture into our minds enter into his gates and present your offerings of praise do not come into his presence empty handed when you come before the living God when you come here on Sunday morning are you coming empty handed or are you coming with something to offer him? To say, God, thank you that this week, all my family, they're alive. They were not involved in an accident. That all my family, our house didn't burn down. That all my family, I, Lord, use your hands. I got all my ten fingers. God, that I... I can hear. I can see. Some of this may be basic, and yet God says, I created those digits. I formed Adam out of dirt. I, can you imagine God molding Adam? There's one. Oh, I'm missing three fingers. No, God said, this is how I'm making you. Come into his presence with something to offer him. Do not come empty-handed. 
God is expecting to be worshipped. So when you come here, and you know, Tevin Anderson is going to be talking about the discipline of our service. How we engage ourselves in the family of Christ. There's opportunities for you to worship. You can help with the offering. It's amazing what you can do. Music. You can help out with the kids. And remember, it's not just singing. And then Scripture says, For the Lord is good. I've lived now for half a century. Can you believe that? I am going to be, well, I'm 51 right now. Soon to be 52. My wife says, you're getting, you keep going yourself older than you are. In my 51 years, I've experienced joy, peace, pain, sorrow. And many of you can testify. Many of you that are much older than I am can testify that life is a kaleidoscope of a lot of emotions and at times of events that are very hurtful. And yet Scripture says the Lord is good. You know the song that we sang earlier, It Is Well With My Soul? Spafford, he was the author of that hymn. He sent his family, his wife and his four daughters, ahead of him on a ship, and they were crossing the Atlantic. And he stayed behind. He was going to catch up to them later. And their ship collided with another ship, and it sank. His wife sent him a telegraph. Saved only. His four daughters perished. And before that, his son, I believe, also had died from a different accident. When Spafford boarded a ship to go and meet his wife, the captain of that ship said to him, this is what we think your daughters were killed. It is well with my soul when sea billows row. Our circumstances, our sorrows, our pain, whatever it may be, and the depths are variant among all of us, whatever that may be, it does not negate, withdraw, or diminish God's goodness. He is still good. And he still says worship. Remember Job? Job lost his kids, lost his animals. He was empty, emptied of all that. And yet he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
he entered into the presence of the living God not empty-handed, even though he was empty of his children. He was not empty-handed. He still praised God. And that's hard to do. But God says, he is still good. And he invites you, he invites you to enter into his presence, to worship him. Even if it means you have to carry a bunch of these around. Because it's sorrowful. Because what does it say? I walk through the valley of the shadow of the death and I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. My cup runneth over. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all, all, all the days of your life, Ivan. All the days of your life. God gives us a command to worship him. God gives us the reason to worship him. And God gives you an invitation to worship him. That's what scripture teaches. You have the opportunity to corporately worship him. You have the opportunity to privately worship him. You have the opportunity to teach your children. You have the opportunity as a family to gather together and read psalms and use them as a foundation of worship to pray through the psalms. You can teach others worship. Worship. All for the glory of God. One of these days, folks, all this will be gone. And we're going to be home. We're going to be home forever. And it's never going to end. It will never end. And some of you have to make a decision. Some of you are probably thinking, wait a minute, I'm not sure I'm going to get into that place. You've got to come to the cross. You have to allow yourself, rather you need to surrender and say this cross is the only way that I'm going to get into heaven. You're going to have to do that if you haven't yet. Because God invites us. But His invitation will end one day. It will. Please join me in a word of prayer. Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence. And rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, lest he become angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge 
in you, Father. May we find refuge in you. May we worship you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That was this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service podcast. Please tune in for next week's podcast.